Welcome to the Profitable Audience Podcast. It's 2024. And today we're going to kick this off by talking about how to make money in 2024 without having to show your face on video. So I would say you can't. <laughs> <laughs> I actually thought of this topic because I feel like this is the most asked question that we have had in the past three months. And I have found also in a couple other groups that I'm in, are like affiliate marketer, influencer marketing groups, it is the by far most asked question in every single group. I don't know what it is. And in the last couple of consults, when we brought up doing video, yes, people were like, ah, I don't know, I'm not ready for that yet. I'm going to start out yeah. you know, doing something else and work my way up to it, Yeah, which to me is speak for, I'm probably never going to do it. Right. And it's it's fully 100% a confidence issue. Uh, it is because the people that we've talked to, the people that I see in the groups, our experiences that we've had, every single person that has said this to us is fully capable of making video. They're better looking than the both of us, better spoken than the both of us. We're putting our ugly mugs out there every single week. But I feel like the people that we feel like would be amazing on video seem to be the most hesitant of doing it. See, I wasn't afraid of doing the video. I was afraid of the work. (laughs) I don't think that's most people's fear. I think most people's fear is putting their face on camera. The work too, for sure. But I think the biggest hurdle, because if unless you've watched all of our courses or someone else's YouTube course, you don't know how much work is in video. Right, like most people have no idea how much work it takes to make a video. So the it starts with the fear of just putting your face on video. I, I guess, I guess, I, like like uh, one of the last consults we had, mm-hmm. wasn't the person on broadcast television or, or something? Uh, not broadcast television, but used to doing video. Yes. So, yes. yeah, we see that a lot. So. I thought it would be important to talk about ways, if if this is just a hurdle that we cannot help you overcome, that you are not willing to pay for therapy for, uh, there are still some ways to make money in 2024. I will say the fastest, easiest way to make money is video right now. Uh, it still has a barrier to entry, least competition. There's a lot of room out there to get on TikTok, YouTube, um, It's definitely something that I feel like is a huge opportunity. It's not saturated. But if this is just like an absolute no and it's going to keep you from reaching your entrepreneur goals, then let's talk about how you can do it a different way. Yeah. I mean, what what you said was just kind of extreme. But yes, (laughs) everyone just has to work their way up to it. I think all paths will lead to video. I. I think, okay, I agree. In the content space. Sure, but I think there's people that are just like, no, absolutely not, dead stop. Okay, well, what's your number one? Email newsletter. Ah, yes. Uh, Our mutual friend has had a very successful email newsletter. Which which mutual friend are you talking about? I'm drawing a blank, actually. (laughs) You're talking about Chanel? Yeah, Chanel, okay. sorry, yeah. Yes, I was like, well, we have lots of friends that have successful newsletters, but I was trying to like context it. Yes, yeah, so our friend Chanel started an email newsletter about email newsletters last year, which, you know, that's 2024 for you. 
but it's but based, she's had tremendous success. Tremendous right? success, grown to over I think twenty five thousand, close to thirty thousand subscribers in less. Than I think a she year. has forty plus now. Okay, yeah, I mean it's like growing like wildfire, yeah. uh, and basically. All she does, and I don't want to say all she does, because she told me she spends about 15 hours a week putting the newsletter together. Um, it's very, very well done. And, uh, you know, that's definitely, you don't have to be on video. You just write the newsletter about something. And I think one of the reasons why hers has been so successful is she goes in depth on email newsletters, ex doing experiments, testing what works, what doesn't. It's a very nerdy look at email marketing. And I think that those uh, opportunities are still there in all sorts of spaces, not just email marketing. And that uh, if you are not wanting to put your face on video, I would probably start there. You know, what's funny is uh, the way she became popular is she started analyzing other people's businesses very yes. thoroughly. So. Let's analyze hers. I've actually been on her newsletter for a couple of months now. And when you use the word all she does, it's okay. So these reports that she puts out are very comprehensive. Yes. Very long. And I'm sh I'm almost positive she writes them herself. She does. She does. Yeah. There's no AI. No, there's no shortcuts involved. Yeah. And what you get is a very detailed report. Yeah. And as soon as you read one of these, you want to just get on her free newsletter because she's sending this stuff out for free. And in terms of making money, I've noticed that almost every newsletter has some sort of affiliate offer in it. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure if she's sold advertising yet, but I wouldn't be surprised. And that's definitely, if you're thinking about doing this, that's definitely a revenue source is to sell advertising. Obviously, affiliate marketing can be huge, right? If you have an, e an email newsletter that's going out to 40,000 people, and even if your open rate is at 30%, which is probably low for what she's doing, you're still having a ton of eyeballs on that newsletter. And because she does such a deep dive into these topics, and I think this, like I said, this can be done for any topic. If you want to do deep dives into topics, you will attract people that are very passionate about the topic, are probably ready to take action, spend money, click on your affiliate link. And so I think this can be really lucrative, but it is not a you know, spend five minutes a day getting it done. She spends 15 to 20 hours a week writing these newsletters. But hey, if you can make a full-time income doing 15 hours a week of work, I think most people would sign up for that. Yeah, and I think the issue is getting people to be aware of your newsletter. Mm -hmm. And I, I remember asking her this at FinCon when we hung out with her, but you would probably know her story better. But I think she started out with social media, right? Just getting people on and... and and doing JV deals. Is that, is that so accurate? So yes, the JV deals are big. And I see this a lot with, I'm subscribed to probably like four or five marketing email newsletters. And I believe that most of the time they are promoting someone else's new newsletter uh, at some point. I know Chase uh, does this with his newsletter. Maybe once every couple of months, he lists like two or three newsletters that he thinks you should subscribe to and what they write about. So this that's definitely one way, promoting on social media. I think another way that Chanel has grown her newsletter from our conversations was that it's basically word of mouth. Like if you enjoyed this newsletter, forward it to a friend. And I know like for me, I forward newsletters all the time to people if I feel like they're relevant to what they're doing, if it like really hits on the right topic. So she's grown pretty significantly just from the word of mouth marketing. And I think that just speaks to the quality of what she's putting out. But I know we have listeners and we, we talk to people all the time that have an in-depth knowledge 
of a topic that could do a quality newsletter like this. I think of Kevin, who is our grumpy sysadmin, who every time we're in office hours or doing a Zoom call and there's like a computer security question, he's like all of a sudden like totally nerdy now. Like I don't understand anything that's coming out of his mouth. But if you live in that world of like cybersecurity, like if he wrote a newsletter, I have no doubt he would have the same level of success that Chanel has because of his knowledge of the topic. So I think if you have a lot of knowledge on a certain topic, an email newsletter is probably a great way to go. Yeah, and then just just keep in mind that it has to be good for this word of mouth to work. Yes. Right? Like I forward newsletters very occasionally and only if they're really good and I know someone who who this directly applies to. So, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. yeah. I'm not I'm not like a forward everything. I'm not I, I got to not like careful. my uh, my uh I got to be careful. My what mom I say. who forwards me these chain letters. You better forward this, yeah. otherwise there's bad luck. You have bad luck for seven years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think, but I I do think that if you have a quality piece of content, it will get shared, forwarded. So that would you know be, what I, be my number one. What I was wondered. We're we're not done with this one yet because okay. uh, does Chanel actually post the newsletter on a blog also that that ranks? You know, I don't know about that. Yeah, because I, I know the newsletter itself. What's nice about it is you just write it once. Yes, and then and then just people pay you monthly for it, and it doesn't yeah. even have to cost that much. Yeah. Like Chase, how much is Chase's? Is it seven dollars? Yes, I think a month. Yeah, yeah, seven dollars a month. Once you get people on your list, you're just writing one email, mm-hmm. and it just only grows over time. Yeah, and I mean the nice thing too is that you could take that newsletter content, turn it into a blog post, turn it into a podcast. If you ever get brave enough to be video, make video, you could turn it into a video. So, you know, it's still that one piece of content can be at multiple places. You can also take snippets of that newsletter, put it on social media, right? Put it in LinkedIn, uh, things like that, depending on the topic. So I definitely think this would be my my number one choice uh, for 2024. Okay. I mean, along those same lines, you know, with written content, blogging is still is still a viable option in 2024. I've become a little bit more jaded now by writing for search just because Mm -hmm. it for me, and I I think I've said this before publicly, it's taken all the fun out of writing for me. Yeah. But so so the way I do it now is I just have a blog in order to just get visitors to my site, which I then convert to email subscribers. And then through the email, you know, I promote affiliate offers, I bring people back to my stuff, I run webinars and, and that sort of thing. Yeah, I think that um, it's funny because every time we hear blogging is dead, then I meet someone who just started blogging six months ago and their blog has taken off. And uh, I think that speaks to finding the right niche, right? Talking about something in a way that there's not a lot of noise on. Like one of the guys that I met at FinCon, and I think we've talked about him on the podcast, and then we met someone in the course who wants to do something similar is basically talking about investing for W-2 employees. And I think so much of the personal finance and investment stuff is like this entrepreneur, fire movement, like all this stuff about like, go be your own boss, do this. But there's a lot of people who are really happy working a nine to five. And I think that's great because we always need people that are happy in those jobs. And so, you know, his his whole take is like, how do you find freedom as a nine to five or how do you leverage your vacation time? How do you leverage your employee benefits, right, that you're going to get from the company to whether it's increase your pension or max out your 401k? And, you know, he hadn't been blogging for a whole 
I think he'd been blogging maybe under a year. And so I think that if you get in the right niche, there's still a lot of opportunity uh, in the written content. I think there's people that still consume it all the time. Um, Just like I had someone say the other day, oh, I never watch a video. I'd rather listen to a podcast. I don't have time to watch video. There's still tons of people to listen to podcasts, right? So blogging's not dead. I think you can still make a good amount of money from it, whether it's through brand deals, affiliates, advertising, um, selling your own products. Uh, There's still a lot of opportunity there. So I met with my mastermind group at FinCon. It's a group of 12 guys, and all of them are doing seven figures with primarily their blog. Yeah. Actually, In fact, I was trying to get one of the guys to try video, but he was just... You know, he, he gave the, the standard answers like, hey, the blog is, is working fine and I'm making lots of money. It's my home base. It's where I get email subs and, and everything. So blogging is definitely viable. And you're right. It's just about finding that niche. And if you have a really great voice, then you will be successful. One thing that uh, one of my other buddies started doing recently is uh, he has a sub stack. And what's nice about Substack is like a blogging platform, kind of like Medium. Okay. Which has built-in features for you to run a paid blog. Like you could have content that's locked, content that's not where people subscribe and pay. And what's great about Substack is is there's a huge built-in audience of people who read Substacks. So if you write really interesting content, and again, on Substack, it has less to do with search than it has with your ability to attract an audience. Mm -hmm. You can be successful that way on a subscription basis. Um, So one of the, our friend Nate who I've been working with the past couple of weeks, he was saying that he's been blogging on Medium. Speaking of Substack, mm-hmm. he's yeah. been putting content out and he said he's seen some good return on that lately. He's like, yeah, I just got back at it. It's it's really working. So I don't have any more details on that. but um, And I don't have personal experience with either of those, but I do know it's still a pretty effective way for content. Well, what's ironic is we're talking about native entre resource, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. What's funny is he has a blog. Yes, that's but he's what he still was saying. Chosen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's because these services like Medium and Substack have built-in audiences, and they actually do a pretty good job of proliferating content. Yeah. They have a newsletter. The recommendations are on spot. It's almost like what Google should be for mm-hmm. blogs, and you know, instead of just pure search. Yeah. So, and this one is... I can't say that I know how hard it is to do today because I haven't done it today. I've done it in the past, but I've been in a lot of Facebook groups lately in the, like they're not dead. Like it might be harder to grow the groups than it was five or 10 years ago when it was pretty simple, but I'm in these groups with like 50,000 people and they're just, it's a full-time job to be me. And like, obviously they have admins and things like that that manage it. But I think running one of these groups can actually be really lucrative because then you can launch other things in the group, right? Whether it's services, tools, affiliates. Um, I think the groups are, I don't think groups are dead. I think they still work. It's probably much harder to build them today than it was in the past. But I think if you're, uh, once again, if you're providing value, creating good content, you know, answering questions in the group, making it a place where people can come and feel safe to ask and learn uh, about any topic, I think that they are still a place where you can build a business. And I mean, I hate saying build a business on Facebook because you always want to get them on your email list. And there's tools that will actually get people on your email list from Facebook groups now. Um, But I think that's still a way to go. So two examples of that. So Ian, who's a friend of mine, runs this Amazon mastermind group on Facebook. 
And I think he started out like charging 500 bucks, but now I think he's at $10,000 per member per year. And I think he has a thousand members. <laughs> uh, I mean, this yeah. isn't something that happens overnight. Right. But if you can grow a group and you have great content and you can actually get people to post, incentivize them somehow. Yeah. Like I think he kicks people out unless they post like a, a good tip per month. Yeah. And provides value. Similarly, our mutual friend, Andrew Udarian, mm-hmm. he's been running e-commerce fuel for forever. I, I think I'm, I'm pretty sure it's been over a decade now. Yep. And he's got this vibrant forum. And I think he's, he's, he's been raising prices on this forum. And what's nice about his is he has a strict cutoff. I believe you have to make a million dollars now just to even be eligible. Make a million dollars to be eligible. And there's actually requirements about posting and things like that as well. His group, I believe, is about $1,000 a year for the forum. Right. $1,000 a year. I don't know how many people he has now, but you know he limits it in order to create engagement and kind of like solidarity among the members. And he has an annual e-commerce conference as well. And I always tease him because we, we chat and he's like, oh man, I just had a really rough week. And I was like, you had a really rough week, what? Reading your forum while it's minting money? <laughs> And he's like, no, 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 I really do work a 40-hour week. I'm like, okay, tell me what you do on a day-to-day basis that makes up those 40 hours. He's like, I, I can't really describe it, but I, I put in a good you know, 40 hours in planning. I believe, and, I believe that yeah. he does. So this is the caveat to running a group or forum or, or like a, I know a lot of people are using that thing called School, S-K-O-O-L. Yep. Um, it's another like forum platform. I'm actually getting a little experience with that because I'm working with Nate on some things and he runs everything through school. I do like a lot of the features of it, but it's also gets very overwhelming really quickly because like if it's an active group, it's like all of a sudden, like I posted a welcome thing and then I responded to somebody and then all of a sudden like I'm getting all these notifications because people are, resp- you know, it's like, oh, I didn't mean to, you know, jump into those waters. But um it does take work making sure the group stays active as well as dealing with people who are irritated with you. I know Andrew has dealt with this a lot, um, disgruntled forum members and moderating what people say and keeping it in a keeping it a positive place for people. Um, it's amazing how quickly things can go downhill on the internet, right? Like because it's is the written word, so nuances and sarcasm and things like that don't always convey as well. So I would say, like, if you're thinking about doing something like a paid group, a paid forum, or a free forum, you know, to get started, uh, just know that it is going to take a lot of work. It's probably one of the hardest things to do initially to create the community, to create the content, having people be engaging, and making sure that everybody, like, keeps their egos in check and things like that. So my friend who actually is pretty high up over Discord mm-hmm. has been trying to get me to move my entire e-commerce community over to Discord, mm. uh, which I'm a little you know, wary of. But what's nice about Discord is like there's these rooms. Yes. That you can instantly hop on a chat with someone else. You can have different threads and whatnot, which is way better than, than Facebook. I think the problem is uh, getting my clientele who's, who's kind of my age on Discord, which isn't natural. Yeah, so Discord, yeah. I think, is far superior to most of the other platforms out there. My brother is a huge Discord user. and But the problem is, is that it has this sort of like nerdy gamer reputation. So people like me are like, Discord, my kid is on Discord, right? Like, 
it doesn't feel like Facebook feels very familiar to people who are probably 35 and up. And mm-hmm. so I think getting people to, even though I think it's a far superior tool, uh, it is a tough sell for people because even like the interface of it just feels very like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. they, would, they would take away the, they still have the black background. <laughs> like, well, they, you could, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it feels like uh, a hacker's site yes, to me. Yes, it does. I yeah. feel like I'm doing something illegal. I'm like, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's the hard part is like, it is a great tool and it's just really hard to get people. And the people that are on it are like loyalists to the 10th degree. So anyway. Yeah. Okay. So my next one, it, it, it's tangentially doing video, but it really isn't. And that's to run a virtual event. Yeah, that's a where great you're one. just a host, right? All yeah. you got to do is just gather people together, organize them to come on and record. They don't even have to come on live. Nope. You can just ask them to record like a 10 minute webinar or whatnot and hand you the video. And then all you have to do is just gather the people. And the way I've typically seen it run is it's free if you come live. Yep. So you get people to come on and you say, hey, it's a free, you know, it's free um, virtual conference or virtual event. And if you come live, you get them for free. But if you miss one, you can buy the videos at a certain cost. And the way it works is whoever's presenting also has a chance to get an affiliate cut if they promote to their audience. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, you're you're getting new email subs from people signing up for this thing. You're getting your speakers to promote the event. And I think the speakers get like a, a higher cut, like an mm-hmm. 80% cut. And anyone else you have as an affiliate gets a 50% cut and you get to keep all the rest. You're building your email list. You don't really have to be on camera, although it'd probably be nice if you just gave like a little intro or whatnot. But after that, you don't have to speak at all. You don't even have to do that. You can hire an MC. Oh, yeah. You can do that, too. People do that all the time. I've noticed that that is becoming more and more popular. And I know our friend like Leslie Samuel, he actually professionally MCs for events and things like that. So, um, so I might be doing one of these. Next oh year. really? Yes. Okay. For um, the Amazon Influencer Program. Oh, and, nice. Uh, we've we've talked about it pretty seriously, and basically running it exactly as you said, making it a one or two day event, having people come on, teach people, you know, in depth, people that are having very successful influencer, uh, you know, they're doing six figures a year, and then offering them, you know, eighty percent of the sales and then, you know, 50% cut for everybody else. So yeah, this is, we're like in serious, it's actually on a post-it note on my other desk. <laughs> cool. Well, yes. let me know how that one goes, because if it goes well, we yes. should do one in the content. <laughs> I know space. we should. I'll let you guys be the guinea pigs. <laughs> yes. uh, you know, it's funny because I met a girl whose name I didn't remember the night I met her. So this is not helpful, but uh, I met her who does it in the content space at FinCon. And she had... I, I want to say 3,000 signups. Maybe it was 10,000. It was a significant amount of signups. Uh, so I think this is a good, I think this is a good idea. And I you don't have to show your face at all. You could pre-record something. Uh, you could get someone to MC it. You could just be the organizer behind it and let someone else do all the talking. And we've met a lot of people who have like a partner where one person's the face and the other person is sort of the nuts and bolts. So I, I love that idea. Yeah. So the reason why this kind of came to mind is I just met Gary Huang, who runs, I think it's called the Million Dollar Amazon Seller Summit. He wants someone to run his event, you know. Yeah. I just, I just chatted with him and I think that was just a rumor actually. He has no intention of, of selling actually. Mm -mm. He wants someone to do all the logistics. 
Oh, to do all the logistics. Yeah. yeah. Real nice guy. He's he's based in Japan. And he was just telling me, you know, some of the numbers. I was like, okay. At, at that scale, it's it actually seems worth the time. The only reason that I've been a little hesitant is because remember when we had to make Seller Summit virtual? So uh, do I remember when weeks? you showed up and I did all the work? Yes, I do. Tell me more oh, about that. <laughs> what are you talking about? We were in front of our computer for we were. the entire day for two and a half days. Yeah. Um, maybe it's because it was the unexpected having to scramble to do that in two and a half weeks part about it. So I do think this is, you know, we actually, we need to do a whole other topic. We need to do a whole other podcast on this because we could talk this out in depth. Um, I think there's a big difference between having speakers come on live pre-recorded. I think there's ways to minimize the work for sure. Uh, someone else who has done this is Chase who did a, did a marketing one. I don't know. It wasn't strictly email though. It was like, a broad, pretty broad marketing event. I think it was like two Octobers ago. Um, I'm kicking myself because he was telling me the numbers and it was actually insane. Um, yep. The amount of money that came. And once again, the event's free. Actually, the event started at, you know, you could go free and then it like early bird and then last minute. And if you bought last minute, you were paying like $47 or something for the ticket. But then for the recordings, it was, it was more. But uh, he did, I want to say it was well into the six figures on that event. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Well, at that point, it'd be worth it. Yes. And it's actually really easy because we know so many people yes. who, who would speak for this without even batting an eye. Yeah. So that's so. we're going to shelve this for another pa- shelve podcast this? Okay. because let's, actually let's I think there's this. a lot more we could talk about on this. Uh, so this is one that our friend Scott Volker does. And he obviously does it with video with his face because he loves to be on video. But I think you could do this without being on video. And this is like creating a watch me work Uh sort of platform, right? Where we've tried to convince our friend Sean in the course to do this, where you basically document everything that you're doing uh, as you're starting up a new business or a project. It wouldn't even have to be a business. It could be, you know, maybe a renovation or a garden where basically you're documenting everything step by step and people are like following along with you in the process. Uh, These are really popular. And I think it's because it feels much more attainable for the you know typical customer audience is that it's not like I'm coming to you as someone who's a seven-figure seller or a seven-figure content creator. It is, hey, I want to start this new business. I'm going to document every step of the way. It's kind of what Chanel's doing with the email newsletter where she's like case studying and like pulling apart things. And so it feels for the people watching like, oh, you look like a regular person, like, Maybe I can do it too. So I think if you're thinking about starting something, just documenting the process is actually a really interesting take on content creation. You know, what's funny is uh, I actually, that's how my wife quit her job started. Yeah. yeah, I literally documented my e-commerce business. People have asked me to do it again from scratch. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, I mean, it's a lot of work and, and I want it. Do I really want another brand? Yeah. to manage. No, you don't. You know. So, <laughs> I guess I could do it on a smaller scale, maybe yeah. like just take one one product, which is what made Jungle Scout so popular actually. Yes. Yeah, that's they, how they Greg just took Jungle up. Sticks. Or yeah. I, that was their first product. They just literally took a product all throughout you know the entire process of launching yeah. on a brand new account. So, I think you could do this with anything. Um you could do it with learning how to, you know, learning how to knit or you know, 
building something. You know, I just think there's a lot of uh, opportunity there. And I think it feels very accessible to the customer because you're um, kind of taking them in the step-by-step approach to how to get things done. Yeah. Uh, so my next one is podcasting, although I'm always a little hesitant to to put down podcasting as like a moneymaker. Mm-hmm. I will say that even small podcasts can generate revenue because the audience that you attract on a podcast is so much more invested in you since they're listening to you, you know, whenever you put out an episode for a long time, like most podcast episodes are like 20 minutes to an hour, yeah. even up to three hours. And if someone's willing to listen to you for that long, you've already built up more mind share than video, than blogging, than almost any other platform, I would say. I'm always surprised at um, the people I meet that have a podcast on like the most random, like one of my friends has a decluttering podcast, uh, Dana White, not the UFC Dana White, but a different Dana White. Um hugely successful podcast, I think was like an avenue to her getting some sort of book deal. She now has courses, you know, she was successful before the podcast, but she sort of like leveraged the podcast as another channel for her. Um, so I always think of, cause I really only listen to like business podcasts and then I listen to like true crime podcasts if I want to just never sleep again. Um, but it's always surprising to me how there's just podcasts about everything And a lot of them have super rabid fans and followers that you can leverage into whether you're going to sell a product, you're going to charge for advertising. You, um, I think about like Shalene's podcast. I know we talk about her a lot, but, uh, when she mentioned something on the podcast, like if I'm not listening to the podcast on the day it goes out, if I go to Amazon to try to buy it, it is sold out every single time. Yeah. Um, so I think that you can definitely, make money from a podcast. It's just a little bit harder, I think, to get discovered, have people find out about you. Uh, You know, there's not like the YouTube search, right? Where if you are making great content on YouTube, the search function is actually really good. And uh, but yeah, I think it's still a very viable option. And I know Spotify is trying to change that Mm -hmm. to a certain extent by doing recommendations. Like the other day, you you guys know that I, I fall asleep listening to podcasts. (laughs) <laughs> so I fell asleep listening to Joe Rogan and I woke up uh, to listening to some <laughs> a completely other podcast. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so Spotify will find related podcasts. Yeah. Yeah. And I will say like on iTunes and stuff, the search function is horrific um, if you're trying to, because I was actually looking for a podcast on a specific topic a couple months ago. I was like, I should probably be more educated on this. And everything that I pulled up was just completely unrelated. Uh, So it's still kind of frustrating in that realm. But I mean, I think if you work on promoting it and you try to get it out there to as many people as possible, maybe go on guests of other podcasts, you know, there's lots of ways to do this. And we've talked about it in previous episodes. But I think a podcast is still a pretty viable option. I think so, too. And obviously, Pat and all those people will say the same thing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm just thinking about Pat. His, His podcast completely transformed his business. And, and for me too, I, before my YouTube channel, actually, people knew me primarily through the podcast yeah. and not through the blog. Um, I have one more and that's it. Okay. Um, I would launch a course. Okay. Uh, I don't think you need to do, I so I think you need to do video for a course. I don't think- That's you what need I was going to gonna show, say. You yeah. don't need to show your face. 
I think you can do a course without showing your face if you are just doing like screen share with video. If you're teaching people, like if the course is basically like an instructional on how to do X, Y, Z, um, where screen sharing makes sense. I think certain course topics, uh, probably not. Like I'm trying to think of some course, like, like one of my friends released a course a long time ago about like being more productive in the morning. I think that's probably hard to do without talking on video, right? Because so much of it is like giving people directly like strategies. And I know you're like, how do you get more done in the morning? You just do more things. I know. But <laughs> but I think like, so I think about, we've talked about me possibly launching an e-commerce email course. And that's primarily going to be screen sharing, right? Step by step, showing people what to do, how to set things up. There's not a lot of like my face that needs to be in that those videos when I was like sort of uh, outlining it. And when I think about the videos I've made for clients where I'm like showing them how to do things, my face is never in it, right? I'm just taking them step by step through the process. So I think there's still options to do a course where you don't have to have your face on video. I thought you were going to go a completely different direction okay. and talk about uh, Amazon KDP. Oh, that's a good one. I didn't even think about that one. That's a really good one too. So, so we have we have a friend uh, in the finance space. He just puts out these short finance books that are maybe I don't know twenty five to fifty pages long, and they're all in a series. And he sells them for like three to seven dollars a pop. I can't remember exactly what, but what happened? What ends up happening is if someone likes one of your books, they'll go buy the entire collection. Yep. And it just serves as a source of passive income where you can earn thousands thousands of dollars per month for something that you just wrote once. And if you write something that's kind of evergreen, it'll it'll generate evergreen sales. So I was it's so funny that I didn't even think about this because I was literally talking to my daughter about this last week because um, she wrote a science fiction novel and I'm trying to convince her to put it on KDP. And one of my blogger friends that I met probably like at the first blogging conference I ever went to, like blog her, Blistem or one of those. Um, I don't even remember what she blogged about, but she turned into like a, I don't want to say they're romance novels, but they might be um, that she's releasing on KDP. She's like a machine. She writes like a book every three months. Um, and they've done exceptionally well. And I think part of the reason is, right, it's a series. Um, like, you know, you read one of their books and you like it. And I read a lot of like of the free KDP or the like 199 or Kindle, uh, unlimited books. And it's like, once you read from that author, uh, and you complete the book, especially on Kindle, it there, that person is like, it's on my Amazon page, probably three times a week, um, recommending like another book by that author. So I definitely think that is, it can be super lucrative. And if you like to write, uh, this is a terrible idea if you hate writing. Um, but if you can even write a little bit, I think, and you have a good topic, I think you can do really well with this. So the key thing to realize here is that it's not your first book that's going to make all the money. Mm -hmm. And you got to think about these books as like lottery tickets. So each time you put out a new book, it's like one more thing that can be searched for. And then once someone buys one, Amazon does a really good job of recommending the yeah. rest in the series. And so it's, it's, it's almost like blogging in a way. Except blogging, you know, the content isn't as long. These are books that are obviously going to take you more time to put out, but it's just like blogging. The more posts that you put out, the more chance that it's going to get discovered by search. And then once someone is hooked, in this case, they, they buy a book, 
chances are they're going to buy the rest if they like it. And it's if you've ever looked in the Kindle store for like the top sellers, um, in fic- especially in fiction, you've never heard of any of these people, right? They're yeah. all and they the books themselves have fifty thousand reviews, so that should tell you how many people have like it's insane. Like you think about even if you're charging three bucks for the book, uh, you've probably sold a million copies. Right. And it's just and I think with I don't remember what the percentages are of KDP right now, but, it, you know, you get a decent amount of KDP like they I think you get more than Amazon gets. I want to say it was like 70, 30 at one point. So I think that's a very lucrative way. And you don't have to show your feet. You don't even have to use your real name. Correct. You yeah. can go with a pen name. Yeah. Uh, one thing I just noticed always towards the end of the year, it's, it's probably too late to do this now, but maybe for next year is I've seen a lot of people make calendars mm-hmm. where it's just a calendar, but on each month of the calendar, there's some content on there. Mm-hmm. And it, and in fact, I was going to get you this one. I, I think it was called like the badass bitch calendar <laughs> or something. <laughs> I was like, Hey, this is something that you would like. Cause each month had like some motivational saying yeah, uh, about, you know, I was just going to get you a calendar with my face on every month. Like, <laughs> don't forget to do this. Don't forget no, 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 to do no. that. I, I have a clothing line for you with my face on it since I have the printer now. Yeah. <laughs> every month is a different facial the expression. Many, the many faces <laughs> of Steve. <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, we didn't really talk about this a ton, but kind of in the KDP thread is any sort of like digital product. Uh, you don't need to make videos, obviously. Uh, you can still digital like digital content as far as like I, I keep saying this but spreadsheets they're still doing really well like if you can do something like that anything where you can get people to buy something like a calendar right like a calendar uh social media cheat sheet um cleaning checklists like our friend laurie like she got started out doing the checklist right from cleaning then turned it into a physical product and a full-blown planner and um, you know, now it's a multi-million dollar business. So there's still a lot of opportunity in the digital space. Actually, our friend Kim, she started too doing digital curriculum and then fully to transition to printed curriculum. But once again, multi-million dollar company. So I think there's still a lot of opportunity in the digital space as well. I mean, there's children's activity books also. Mm-hmm. Um, thanks to AI, it's really easy to make coloring book pages. Yeah, It's really easy to make you know, crosswords and, and all that stuff. You just got to pick like a niche theme to it. And uh, I, I and I always think about like these Chinese New Year books that we bought a long time ago when my kids were little because mm-hmm. we go out to dinner and we just chuck them these yep. these books and then they'd be <laughs> occupied over dinner. And that's how we know you're a Gen Xer and not a millennial because if you're a millennial parent, they would just get an iPad. Yes. I For some reason, I'm <laughs> against the iPad, but I coloring know, activity too. books are okay. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Like the Mad Libs or anything like that we used yeah. to do. Oh, yeah. it's uh, I saw a, a TikTok the other day where it was like Gen X parents throwing their kids like a coloring book and millennial parents carrying like four iPads and packs. <laughs> and I was like, this is very accurate. <laughs> I'm trying to think if I've left anything out. I, I mean, all these things... I mean, I still think video is probably the best way to go. And and maybe we should just do an episode again on on just crossing out all the different hurdles of, of doing video. Yeah, that'd be that's actually a really good idea. Because I've had a, I've had so many conversations with my friends here mm-hmm. who are trying to transition out of Amazon. 
mm-hmm. and they want to they want to do what I do with content, right? Because they have all this knowledge. Yeah. And the and I've just heard every excuse under the sun, which which always tells me no, I'm I'm not going to do it. So like, oh yeah, here, maybe I'll start next year. Yeah. <laughs> here's the uh, here's the uh, silver lining. As long as there are this many people afraid of making video, if you make video, you've passed the barrier to entry. You have a higher chance of success. Totally. Less than like 1% of people, I would say, are going to do this. So it just gives you... I've always had this philosophy. I always want to sell something that's a pain in the butt to do because Mm -hmm. that means very few other people are doing it. Like for Bumblebee Linens, our, our customized embroidery, are our best sellers, our highest margin products, because it is such a pain in the butt to do. Yeah. The machines are expensive, the thread breaks, there's a huge learning curve to use one of these machines. Yeah. And as a result, I mean, we still have competition, but just yeah. less of it. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode. Now, for more information about this episode, go to profitableaudience.com slash podcast, where we list all of the tools and resources mentioned in our show notes. And if you enjoyed listening to this episode, please go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. When you write us a review, it not only makes our day, but it helps keep this podcast up in the ranks so other people can use this information, find the show more easily, and get some awesome business advice. Leaving a review is by far the best way to support the show. And please tell your friends because the greatest compliment that you can give us is to provide a referral to someone else, either in person or to share it on the web. And if you're interested in building your own profitable audience, subscribe to our free six-day mini course where we walk you through the exact steps needed to find your niche, build a website, grab email subscribers, and monetize your content. You can sign up at profitableaudience.com free. Thanks for listening.